0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's three days the time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Okay, Brindle, up the middle. Oh. Oh. Right. Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 174th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage uh here in Beaverton, man. My damn computer it's it's chugging chugging along but damn I don't know how long it's going to be lasting man it took me way too long to get this all this stuff started uh, Do you have got the howga sole
0: PCs right now
1: Bro I I, I I expected this to go for another few years but then I like thought about so, so I've recorded every holy backward on it and it's been about 5 years and then I had it a few years young oh so this is like an 8 year old computer okay now I I understand and I've always appreciated this computer because it's helped me create a lot of stuff, but it's like eight years of good service. Thank you, computer. I just wish you were a little bit faster now in your old age. I mean, you're on your, you're on your second contract. This is the end of your second contract, my man. So keep, keep, keep pushing along so we can get to our third contract. Then I can find a younger Anthony
0: Simons type of PC to replace you. I mean, that's what happened to me this summer too. Uh, I had a Mac for eight years and it couldn't handle the latest software update. Crapped out. Your boy had to go pick up a latest version. So here's to eight more years. So I just picked up my my Anthony Simon. So let, let's roll penny up. Let's get a couple all star appearances and cheers to another eight years.
1: Yeah, no, man. But I'm hoping this one could last another season, man. Just just another season of hard work and you know that Hank Hill mentality of hard work and you know hopefully you get promoted one day come on computer
0: can you believe we're finally here we've had fan fest we've had training camp we've even had preseason but it's really really here this week nba basketball starts in about 48 hours probably about 72 for the blazers on wednesday but it officially tips off on Tuesday. The Blazers play Wednesday. They open it against the Denver Nuggets. The two teams have seen a lot of each other. Sage, is this the best time of the year or what?
1: Absolutely. And then you got college football if you're into NFL football and then the World Series is going on. A lot of good sports right now. Um, Dude, it's finally here, man. it's, it's, It's awesome. I mean, yo, man. All this talk about all the speculation about what's going to happen this year is really going to be put to the test in real basketball. No more, no more fake GMs talking about, you know, what if this works? What if this doesn't? Now we get to see with our own eyes, okay, this rotation works. This rotation doesn't. What's our finishing five? Okay, this is what Stott sees. This is what I think. You know, it's 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 live, man. I'm 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 hyped.
0: And so the Blazers, after I would say laying a massive dud last week against the Phoenix Suns in their final home preseason game, they really turned it around. And I feel much better heading into this regular season. And it's pretty incredible that it can just take one performance. But we knew the talent was there. This team is the deepest Blazer team since 2000. And they've quite frankly looked disinterested against the suns. And to me, that was alarming for a plethora of reasons that we detailed last podcast. So if you took a listen and you were wondering why were we being so harsh on this team, it's because the Western conference is so difficult that there really is no errors to really dick around to, to be quite frank, you need to be locked in for 82 games. And with the talent level across the board for probably eight to 10 teams in the Western conference, the margin for error is razor thin. So really Mm. the team that screws up the less, the team that doesn't stub their toe as much, probably going to be looking at a really sweet playoff seed come April because everyone is just loaded. Everyone had a fantastic summer. I don't think you can really look up and down the top eight teams in the Western conference and said, Oh, you guys had a, you guys had a pretty subpar summer. No, every GM in the West really just raised everyone else yeah, up, it. put all their chips in the middle and said, we're going all in, baby. And for the Blazers to bounce back in Utah, a team that is getting a lot of media praise, a team that added Mike Conley, Jeff Green, Ed Davis, uh, Bogdanovich from Indiana, really the trendy pick to go all the way this year after, in my opinion, I think they – Failed to meet expectations last season the, in 2016-2017, or excuse me, 17-18. They beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Donovan Mitchell was a rookie. They advanced to the second round of the playoffs. Everyone was sky high on them. Well, they didn't get out of the first round last year. Well, they go out and they get Mike Conley, and now all of a sudden, Mike Conley is the second coming of Chris Paul, prime Chris Paul. I mean, it just seems like the media is going crazy in love with this Utah team, and I get it. I like the Jazz. I think they have a fantastic starting five. But what I don't think people are really comprehending about this is it's a give and take. They took a lot, but they gave up quite a bit. No more Kyle Korver. No more Derek Favors. No more Jay Crowder. And they gave up picks for the foreseeable future, which can come back to haunt them. Mike Conley is no spring chicken. He's 32 years old. And watching that game... And listening to it on on my 1970s record player, which was awesome. Just a a great setup there. You saw the Blazers come out with, okay, let's squash this right now. We're going to get ready. This is our dress rehearsal. Your starters are playing. Our starters are playing. Mono-we-mono. What do you have, Utah? And Portland went in there, and they punched them in the mouth. Utah, like a good team, countered. And then Portland made a run of their own. Mm. And it was really led by Damon C.J., I can't say enough about how well C.J. McCollum has looked this year. He looks – He looks legit. He looks like an elite all-star guard, and the two of them combined, the knock on them, at least from my point of view, wasn't on the defensive side. It was throughout the regular seasons and even in the playoffs leading up to last year. Only one of them would be firing on all cylinders. Yeah. They would never cohesively be going off like you would see Stephen Clay. They started to pick that up in the postseason, and it transitioned over into this preseason game. They had 53 points on an absurd 29, excuse me, 19 of 28 shooting from the field. If Portland can get that type of production from them, and and let's face it, those are outrageous numbers, but if Portland's going to contend, especially in the West, and especially without Yusuf Nurkic for quite some time, they're going to have to play that type of ball. But they showed they can do it. They were very in control. I didn't see a shot that I didn't like. They got their teammates involved. They each had four assists. And it was it was beautiful. It really put me at ease going into the regular season because this team looks capable on paper. It is a amazing roster, but it was nice to see them, I think, take it a little bit more seriously. I, I know vets and veteran-laden teams don't like the preseason, but... There's a certain, I think, I don't I don't even know if this is the right word. There's a certain mindset you have to approach it, because you can't just flip that switch. So it was nice that at least for one night they said, okay, we're going to silence the doubters a little bit, especially the Jazz, because we knew they're going to come after us, and we're going to show them that we're still a good tier above them.
1: I was really impressed by, uh, I think Dame and CJ absolutely killed it, but I think, while Hassan Whiteside was playing, he did a really good job. Uh, when he came in that, in that second rotation, the Jazz were on like a pretty serious run, and he put a stop to it. I mean, there, it wasn't a coincidence that as soon as Hassan Whiteside came in, the Blazers went on a run of their own, sparked by his rebounding. And, yo, Rudy Gobert was in his feelings all while Hassan was in the game. So, like... He was that third guy that I was like, oh, I feel confident in him. And then he rolled his ankle on Dame's foot. But for that for that rotation, Hassan Whiteside looked great with the defense. And you know, Rudy Gobert's like a top five center. Rumored like in the tier of elite. So it was like to see Hassan just get in that ass, it was it was really nice to see. I mean, I looked and he had the second highest plus minus uh at, after he got hurt so he was definitely putting in that work CJ McCollum was first but Hassan was second It was, it's great to see because you know that people have had some mixed feelings on Hassan to just see him produce and produce really well against a very very high quality center
0: I know and, and I feel for Hassan because this year is going to be Not quite as much of a circus as Anthony Davis was, but maybe in the local media it it may feel that way because Portland is a one pro sports town in terms of of the big three. And he obviously has that juicy $24 million expiring contract, and we're already seeing Zach Lowe predict that either he or Bazemore are going to get moved for a guy like Ibaka, Gasol – Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, et cetera, et cetera. You basically list any available big man. Portland will be acquiring them. And, you know, I was I was a little tough on Hassan, especially from what I saw in those first three preseason games. And he did. He did play well against Gobert. He's never going to put up a lot of points. Uh, yeah, what I mean, I,
1: it's, it's just a different type of center
0: than what people are used to. And what I have noticed is he is efficient. Though he was five for five against Denver in the opener at Memorial Coliseum, he only took four shots, but he had five points. Uh, he had 11 boards. What you want him to do is block shots and rebound. And mm-hmm. when he blocked shots, the team was able to get on tra- get out on transition. And what does he say? We got shooters. And when you get shooters, open shots in transition, that are th- those type of plays are just backbreakers for the opposition. And if he is able To just be a big, thick body down low? I mean, you're going to need Hassan to go up against guys like Jokic, Joel Embiid, Zion Williamson.
1: Rudy Gobert in the regular season?
0: Absolutely. You're going to need a big guy because, like it or not, Portland is extremely thin up front. We really only have two traditional big men, post players, in Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside. Outside of that, you're looking at Pau Gasol, who they're definitely taking the slow process with him. He has already been ruled out for opening night. And he is 39 years old. He has a lot of wear on those tires. So he is going to be a spot player. I don't anticipate him getting a lot of minutes Hmm. this regular season. And then you're looking at a two-way player in Moses Brown, who last year was just at UCLA, who has played well in training camp, obviously, because he earned that second two-way spot. But I think if we're relying on Moses Brown to play rotation minutes, that's not a good indicative of how the season is going in Portland. So the Blazers are going to have to just tread water and stay afloat until they can get Nurkic back. And just even having him has a big body, Mm. I think everyone's understanding that he's not going to come back and produce right away. It may take a couple months. It may take until the following season. But just to have that other body will be huge. So it'll be interesting to see how the Blazers can navigate those waters, because that is my biggest question mark for this team, is what happens if Hassan continues to sprain that ankle? I mean, it seems like he's almost like Andre Miller in the sense like he's always spraining something. The difference with Dre was that his ligaments were seemingly made out of rubber, and he would just come back in two minutes later. Hassan is a big guy. He's got a lot of weight on those on those limbers, and... If he goes down, where does Portland look? Yes, we have Scal, and I forgot to mention him. He has also played pretty well this preseason, but he's he's still thin. Tolliver is yeah. more of a perimeter threat. Hazonia is thick, but again, he's more of a point forward. So we
1: just—I don't think he could handle, you know, traditional bigs. Exactly,
0: up. he he's more suited to guard the one through the three rather than the four and the five. So really, a lot of Portland's. Hopes and dreams are tied to Hassan Whiteside, and, mm-hmm. and I know that's probably not what a lot of you want to hear, but you know we got to pick this guy up. When he plays well, we got to cheer for him. And I think he is kind of a guy like Kevin Duckworth was in the sense that you can't pile on him. You're gonna have to continue to encourage him, and I think that's what what Dame's gonna do. And I really liked what I saw against Utah. Obviously, they rested a ton of players against Denver the following night, so. Really, opening night and this opening stretch of season is going to be really indicative of, I think, how the season is going to go with Hassan Whiteside. Now, I'm not going to let Hassan off the hook that easy because he does have a juicy $24 million expiring contract, which means the Blazers have an incredibly great asset that they can trade. And if Hassan for whatever reason, isn't living up to their expectations, they don't think he's motivated enough, or it just isn't a good fit. Look, we've seen this before with other players coming in in free agency. You just don't know. It's not a homegrown player. You're basically hoping they can fit with your system. If for whatever reason it doesn't work, that's a good asset. I mean, he is a very like likely tra- tradable candidate. Absolutely. And he's going to have to kind of self-motivate himself like i I don't think we can i don't think it's fair to rely on damon cj and coach to police hassan hassan's gotta get up in the morning and say okay i'm gonna dominate today like let let's get it and, and i do i do think that's there and i think with hassan it's almost like a domino effect if certain things start going well the sky's the limit mm. on the flip side though it could ha- it could go the other way
1: i feel like We've been spoiled as NBA fans with the Warriors having considerably the perfect roster, and we haven't had a team win a championship with a major flaw in a long time. Most teams have major flaws. Ours is our big depth and rotations. I'm cool. I trust Hassan Whiteside to produce, so if our weakness is Hassan Whiteside and Zach Collins, I feel pretty good about our weaknesses. It's the people behind them we may be scared of, but like that, I feel I feel good about our guys, man. Zach Collins has a potential to blow up this season. I mean, that most bigs in that third year see a sizable, sizable bump, and he's always going to bring it defensively. He's always going to have that IQ, so uh, I'm cool with it. Again, if there's injuries that happen, that's where it gets kind of nerve wracking. But let's pray for no <laughs> injuries. Like, I mean. Shit. If Hassan goes down, Scalibissier, it's your sh- time to shine. Like I-, I bet you scal is out there hungry as a motherfucker, ready for that chance to shine.
0: And looking at Hassan, I think Blazer fans, myself included, be patient. This is the first regular season game that Damon CJ have played with him. And they really didn't get a lot of time in the preseason either. I mean, you're probably looking at maybe 50 minutes on the floor max that they played together and it by all intents and purposes. What was meaningless basketball because it really doesn't count. So I think we would all do ourselves a favor if we just wait for a a pretty good sample size before we all hit that panic button. If it does come to that. Now, I I don't think we can sit back and say everything's going to be fine. And when we can call it out when, when we see something happening. But let's at least give this through the new year. Let's see how this team gels together. People are forgetting that the Blazers' strong suit was their cohesiveness. They Mm -hmm. had the same roster year over year. And you're kidding yourself if you don't think that helps teams win games. Teams with less talent can win because they have more chemistry. Have you ever played rec ball five on five and you go up against a team that maybe you outsize, you have more athleticism than them? but they know how to play with each other. They know where each other likes the ball. They know Mm. each other's strengths and weaknesses. Give these guys some time. It doesn't mean that Hassan is the perfect fit or that he and Nurkic are going to coexist after Yusuf returns. But until Yusuf returns, this is our guy. And I think we need to do... Him a solid and give him some time. Like I've already seen so many trade rumors and it's just crazy. The season hasn't even started, so let's give let's let's see what how it plays out before we just uh, decide to throw in the kitchen sink and put push all our chips in the Blake Griffin basket.
1: And luckily for us, damn near all good teams are dealing with a lot of fluctuation within their roster. So it ain't just us that's dealing with it. I mean Denver, the team that we're playing day one. Is the only team that has continuity, really? So you, I, I, don't see you know Kawhi Leonard meshing with Pat Bev and uh, Lou Will day one. All of this is a process, and the more years that you're together, the process gets a lot easier to, to, to execute. I mean. I think I said this last uh, last pod, but remember those Spurs and how they uh, the Parker Spurs and how they used to rotate defensively. That shit took years to develop. It ain't day one. All of this shit's a process, and this this is the team. This is the squad. Of course, we can make a trade, but I it ain't happening yet. So we have to make the best of what we've got.
0: And you look at a guy like a Rodney Hood who came in and really asserted himself nicely in into the rotation, it's a lot easier for secondary options to fit in or guys coming off the bench. We're essentially asking Hassan to replace what was our second or third best player last year and take on a lot of those responsibilities that come with being the second or third best player. He is responsible basically for our interior defense, anchoring and rebounding. Exactly. So we're putting a lot on his shoulders. And, you know, I want to see him succeed more than anyone else. He, of all of the players, reps the Blazers super hard. He's always in in Blazer gear. Like, he always seems like he has nothing but great things to say about the city, the organization, the team. I really want to see this work out. And Mm. I'm excited. I think he has been kind of going probably a little bit half speed in the preseason, but you know he is 30 years old. He's a tenured NBA veteran. so
1: With a flat tire right now with the ankle.
0: I, exactly. And it's going to take him a little bit of time, but I think as long as I see the effort there and as long as you see the sparks, the, the what can be, those type of moments, I think you just got to let it ride a little bit. But you mentioned, Sage – when you were talking about the flaws of, of a roster and you said it was kind of the, the, the backup to our bigs, one area of strength I think we have is Zach Collins. I – and yourself included were, were pretty rough on Neil 2017 draft night. We, mm-hmm. we were not super thrilled with that pick and he's had his moments – Obviously, the postseason against Denver, where he kind of came out of nowhere, had a couple of big blocks, and he was part of that finishing five. But he has looked like a completely new player on the offensive end, a lot more confident. He's shooting the ball without hesitation. He's showing nice range from foul line extended to three-point line. I still think he needs to get a little more comfortable around the basket, as crazy as that seems. It seems like he overshoots some shots at times, and I did see that in the Utah and Denver games. Yeah, he misses some bunnies sometimes. He misses the bunnies. He gets those happy feet. You know, he's seven feet tall. He's a young buck. He just needs to turn around and just blam it on someone.
1: I mean, how? Let, let's just think about the big rotations. How many times— with the players, like, is he going to be in the dunker spot? It's probably just going to be with Anthony Tolliver. The rest of our bigs kind of need to be close to the basket to be effective at all. So he has to work on the shots. Like, I love how confident it looks, but like this year, he's going to have to be in the perimeter more than normal. Just because of our other bigs can't really do what he can do. I looked- of Tolliver.
0: Looked great against Utah. You're talking about 13 points, a perfect six of six from the field, five boards, two blocks, and 23 minutes. His weak side defense continues. Yeah, it is fantastic. There are no more superlatives that that we can roll out that we haven't already said about his, his defense. Once he and Hassan get accustomed to playing with one Mm. another, I do think it is going to be scary. But we do need to give this team time. The first 20 games are incredibly difficult, very road-heavy, and we're incorporating a lot of new faces, a lot of new roles with this team. But from what I've seen in the preseason, the two things that have stood above the rest for me, CJ McCollum, looking like he has extended his range In terms of actual range and in terms of his overall game, and Zach Collins just looking like that third year stud. Mm -hmm. I told you on text that he looks like he really could make that that spicy P third year jump. Like that could be really real. Like we could see that, and if that happens, you know, watch out. I mean, Pascal Siakam was a major reason why the Raptors won that championship. If Zach has any type of jump related to that. The West just becomes that much more different.
1: Something I saw on Twitter that was interesting. Let's say uh, Pacers wanted to trade Sabas
0: for Zach Collins. Would you do it? I I wouldn't. And I know Sabonis is a better player at this point in time, especially on the offensive end. But what Zach Collins brings defensively, like we don't need a ton of offense. Dame and CJ are two of the best guards. They are elite offensively, historically all time. Like that is one of the best backcourts offensively in, in the league's history. You've also got Rodney hood and Kent Bazemore who can provide firepower. I'm not too worried about the offensive end of the floor. Mm-hmm. What Portland lost in Alfred Camino and Reese Harkless was defense. Zach Collins is the rare NBA player who is a two way threat. And mm-hmm. He's seven feet tall. He can guard fours. He can bang with fives. He can go on the perimeter. He can switch. He can help weak side. He has an incredibly high basketball IQ. I honestly think that would be a disastrous trade for, for the Trailblazers just because of what we would be losing defensively. You're looking at Zach Collins. That just gives Terry Stott so much flexibility as a coach in terms of the rotations. You can pair him with Hassan and the 4-5. You can bring Mario in at the 4 and play Zach at the 5. Zach just looks like he's ready to make that Jermaine O'Neal type of jump. Like, I know everyone's been hyping up Anthony, and, and for good reason. He has looked very well this preseason. To me, if Portland trades any of their young players, I think Zach has the best chance to turn out to be that Jermaine O'Neal all-star type.
1: And you have to trade. If you trade for a sub-bonus, you have to pay him next year. We we have another year plus of waiting, and Zach will be on that cost control contract. Then we have to pay him. So
0: here's another question. If, uh, DeMontis Sabonis had any other name, do you think he would be as, as coveted by Blazer fans? He's very good. Like if, if he was just named Mario Hazonia would the Blazer fans back, like, Oh God, we got to happen. I, I think a lot of it is because the last name is Sabonis. Yes. A good I, I, player.
1: He's a very good player though. The last but I think name, the, 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 I don't want to say nepotism, like the, the last name kind of matters. I, it's I nostalgia. Get
0: that. It's absolutely nostalgia. And it's going to happen when LeBron James's kid gets in the league too. Everyone's going to want to have his, you know, you, you want that legacy. Yeah. And, and I get it, but
1: I, I think. And do you think Sabonis would work with Nurk back and then our two guards? That's a lot of people that need the ball in their hands. Zach Collins is great because he doesn't need it to be effective because he has defense and rebounding. Where would that defense and rebounding come from in the starting five? Nowhere. So, I mean, I think Sabonis
0: works if you can bring him off the bench. However, that would require us keeping Zach Collins. Indiana's not stupid. They're not just going to give him away for nothing. You have to give to get. It just doesn't seem like it's it's a really good trade match.
1: Mm-hmm. I think he's going to Boston if I had to guess. I think Indiana- that, Jason, that, that uh Brown for uh, Sabonis trade has been a rumor for years now. Indiana might
0: be dumber than I think if they make that trade.
1: But, man, like, Zach and Hassan's potential defensively could be so special. And would you change the system around defensively since we have two really athletic centers? Or would you keep it as a stat system where you basically fall back on the pick and roll and force the guards to take mid-range jumpers. What would you do with our two dynamic bigs?
0: I would like to see more flexibility in terms of the defensive style. Instead of saying, here's what we do regardless of opponent, we should tailor our defense for the opponent. And and I think we're going to see this Wednesday night against Denver. If we are going to drop back on Jokic, he's going to make it rain from three. He attempted like three or four threes against us in the final preseason game within the first four or five minutes of the game. I mean, that was a clear, basically tipping of a hand that Mike Malone basically gave us for free. And if we're not jumping on that intel and using it to our advantage, you know, shame on us. But if you're going up against a guy like Gobert, obviously sag Sag. back. I think it depends on the type of big we're playing. And there are going to be nights where I think we're going to get just absolutely flamed. Like Embiid could be a potential nightmare against us because he Mm -hmm. can do both so well. And this is why I like Zach Collins because he has the athleticism to close out quickly, to also cover the paint, help a weak side. It's just he's going to have to stay out of foul trouble and – really play smart he's definitely bulked up so I'm not as worried about him playing a bigger center so
1: Zach's that rare breed of big that can help defense post defense pick and roll defense he's got it all so I don't know maybe this is the year that we go really aggressive since we have Hassan as well defensively I get Nurk wanting to not use him in a hedge situation but we got a guy that is an athlete now at center. I would like to see some more hedging, especially if like Bradley Beal, for instance, is going off. We should probably send a double a few times.
0: Yeah. It, it's going to be tough with, with Hassan because you want him like go around the rim, protecting, protecting the goal. But if we look at Denver with, with they're going to run the Murray Jokic pick and roll to death
1: to death. Yeah. They'll pick and roll us to death,
0: honestly. And we'll preview this game a little bit later. I would be surprised if Hassan gets a lot of run in in that game because we can't allow Hassan just to hang back, even if the coach tells him to hang back. Murray is too good of a shooter. Jokic is too good of a shooter and decision maker when he gets the ball in his hands. We need, like you said, to hedge. We need to play tough. And, you know, thankfully, they don't really have a secondary big that is just going to punish you. Paul Millsap is a very good player.
1: Would you put Hassan on Paul Millsap and put Zach on Jokic?
0: I I think Terry's probably going to start it out the other way, but if it goes, I think, as many predict, and it's going to be a rough matchup, he's got to be quick to make that adjustment. I personally would because you I'm okay Hassan with Paul out. I would rather Paul Millsap shoot a three than, than Nicole Jokic. I would rather Paul Millsap make a decision with the ball in his hands than, than the Joker. I mean, the Joker Jokic is, the is second a legit... Guy. MVP threat top three in my book. He is taking his game to another level. I thought at one point he's probably just a really, really good third option. He is now an elite player in this league and was a handful for us to guard, but I'm really putting a lot of stake in, in Zach Collins. Like I'm buying Zach Collins stock right now. Mm. If, if, if that was able to be bought and sold, I am buying big Z in bulk because Youth, intelligence, athleticism, length, talent. He's got it. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from someone who really didn't believe in Zach. I thought he'd be a a nice player. I now think he could be a cornerstone for this franchise with Damon CJ. Just because two-way players are so rare and valuable. Especially ones that are seven feet tall.
1: Triple catch shoot, do you think he'll ever be uh all for uh on the first team or second team defensively?
0: Ooh, I'll shoot that. I don't know if it's gonna be in Portland just because I I, I don't can't can't foresee that, but he absolutely has the defensive chops to, to make a first or, or, or second team.
1: I kind of think of him as the power forward version of Tyson Chandler back in like the yeah. the, the days where he was very, very good instead of
0: the Dallas days.
1: Dallas and uh, Hornet days.
0: That is a great comparison. I only wish we could get Zach a little bit more lob threats though. Fuck
1: <laughs> it. Well if he could get some lob I mean we need to be throwing lobs to for him to be catching lobs. But I could definitely see him defensively defensively be like Tyson. I think with better hands too, because Tyson had some some times where it wasn't easy for him to catch the ball. So I I, I- you know he he has that special X-factor game-changing ability defensively. So it's always the, – the, the question mark is, is he going to stay confident
0: offensively? So far, so good. Zach, to me, has swagger, and that's kind of something you're either born with or, or you're not. I, I don't think it's anything that, that can be taught. Uh, Hazonia has that same type of bravado about him, and, and we've seen it w- with Zach – Over the course of last year, going toe-to-toe with, you know, Clay Thompson, talking shit to him, uh, really going toe-to-toe with the Denver Nuggets, especially in, in that game six when he had that weak side block on Jokic, which I thought really turned the tide. He has confidence in himself, and at times last year, he would still shoot, but he would be a little bit unsure. I think this year he's like, I'm the guy. I'm not coming off the bench. I'm not fighting for a starting spot. I've earned my starting spot.
1: Diviners. I am the
0: starting power forward. I don't have to look over my shoulder. I'm, I'm going to be in the finishing five. The team needs me. I need the team. Like, let, let's go. I, I think Zach Collins is an incredibly confident player. And honestly, you need a team full of that. Like Dame has it. CJ has it. Like, you cannot be successful at this level of profession and have your confidence waver. You have to have unwavering confidence. Just like a really good DB who gets burnt, you got to have a short memory and say I'm going to lock you up next time. So,
1: can you think of a team in the NBA where Zach Collins isn't in the finishing five? Cuz I could see scenarios where Hassan's not on the floor. I could see scenarios where Hood's not on the floor, but I think
0: the 3 Maybe Philadelphia because they already have Al Horford and Jojo.
1: But wouldn't you want him to be on the floor for Horford to defend him?
0: Wait, are you talking about... I, I, I'm i confused by your question. Do you see a
1: team in the NBA where Zach Collins could not be on the finishing five?
0: Like, Zach Collins is a sixer. Zach Collins is a hawk.
1: No, no, no. As in defending, like, on no, our team. That's where
0: you caught me because I was a, like...
1: As a matchup, you know, you need no, Zach yeah, Collins. playing right every team. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I really don't see a scenario where he ain't the guy on the floor. Hassan might not be there. Like he might be the five, he might be the four, but I think Dame CJ and Zach are always going to be on the floor in the last five
0: minutes of the game. Who else has surprised you throughout this training camp?
1: I think Azonia's athleticism and the way he can break down the defense has surprised me. I know that I've said on a, said on places that I wish uh, Penny had the ball more, but to see that he kind of has the, he can do the role of an Evan Turner on a a second unit is pretty, pretty exciting. But uh, yeah, I mean, Zach's confidence really is the thing that makes me the most excited about this team.
0: So looking at Mario, I think we're already starting to see the benefits of him playing under Terry Stotts and him Mm -hmm. playing
1: the green light and the freedom
0: in a role with little to no pressure, you're coming in off the bench You're the seventh or eighth man. You're not the fifth overall pick anymore. The franchise isn't depending on you. You're not playing in Madison square garden. You're on the Portland trailblazers. You're the backup forward. What I have loved from Hazonia, his ability to play, make push the ball. Every time he's in there, he's pushing tempo. He is so unselfish. And if he can get his shot to drop, which it has been these past two preseason games, I mean, I think you're looking at an extremely valuable bench player because he shoots the ball with confidence. It wasn't like he was wide open on a lot of his looks, but he was incredible against Utah, even better against Denver. I think he had something like 18 points against Denver. He had 12 against Utah, um, shot the three incredibly well. And that has been a big surprise because honestly, over the course of the offseason, when we signed him, he was probably my most like ho-hum signing Mm-hmm. but from what I've seen, I am extremely impressed and kind of surprised we were able to get him for the minimum because he's his, a baller. He's, he's, a baller. he's got swagger and I already love the two man chemistry. He's developing with Zach Collins. I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of give and goes between those two. He just seems like he's going to make a lot of wild plays for us. If we can continue to like with us on champion him, build him up, like, he loves Portland. Like, let's show him this is the best place for him. His teammates get behind him. He has the ability to become a, a big-time fan favorite in, in Rip City. Absolutely. No, no I doubt. mean, Mario
1: Hosonia knows where his butter should be bred. If you're in the second unit and Zach Collins happens to be playing with you, you probably should feed that band.
0: But he is playing with a confidence that you expect from a top-five pick. His, his threes coming off screens, just one dribble pull-up. He's diving and dicing through the defense for and ones, making it look so effortless. This dude is talented, and a lot of players are skilled, but it, it's all mental. It's all up here. Do you feel appreciated by your team? Do you feel like you have the green light? Do you feel like your coach has your best interest? Do you feel like your team wants to see you succeed? So many factors going go into making a successful NBA player. It's just not all about who's got raw talent. Mm-hmm there's too many good players on this earth who have raw talent. It's the players who can really manage the mental aspect of the game that thrive in this league. And I am looking forward to a nice season from his own. Yeah, I think he's going to have his ups and downs, but mm-hmm. if I were to predict, I think he has a bigger impact on the team than say a uh, Nick Stauskas who had 24 in the opener against the Lakers was a minimum contract guy as well. Another former lottery pick. I just I've seen enough already of Azonia that that I'm starting to get on that on that bandwagon.
1: I mean, wasn't he drafted to Orlando when they had Tobias Harris and Evan Fournier and some other guys in his uh, position group?
0: You could have stopped at drafted by Orlando.
1: True. So I mean, like he hasn't had a situation this week because it wasn't it Orlando and New York or his two teams. Absolutely those aren't winning cultures. So he kind of getting drafted by the right team matters. So this is his first real time to shine on a playoff quality team. And I think he sees the benefit of being on a team with good culture and a team that has a chance rather than the New York Knicks who had the second pick in the draft for a reason.
0: I mean, you, you nailed that one. On, on the head, I, I think the last good surprise that I've noticed over the course of these five games has been the consistency uh, of Kent Bazemore. I have been so pleased by what I've seen. Baze, his effort, his, his intensity on, on defense, he looks like he is going to have a lot of breakaway dunks this year just mm-hmm. by jumping the passing lines, playing so smart, uh, knowing basically man and ball, knowing where he is on the floor. And, you know, we talked about this when we traded Evan Turner for him. He shot close to 40% from three a couple of years ago with Atlanta. Yes, it went down, but the stroke is pretty, again, playing in a system that elevates you, that tells you you you're great. This is a really positive environment. I wish everyone could grow up in this environment. Terry Stotts has something special where a player comes and they feel welcomed. I mean, just like when you're in your own job, your manager comes over and says, Sage, great job on that report. I can't wait to see what comes next. Are we ready for this presentation next week? You're like, absolutely. Fuck yeah. Like, let's go. Let's get this pitch. Let's get this business. That's the same for an NBA player. When Stotts is like, yeah, green light, can't. you're open. You better shoot that ball. Mm-hmm. And he is. He's taking tough threes. He's taken open threes. He's taken threes off of fast breaks, off of pull-ups. The green light is a real thing. And – I'm going to continue to say this. I cannot believe we got Kent Bazemore for Evan Turner. The, I mean, the players are, are night and day. I'm not saying Kent Bazemore is an all-star, but we all collectively cringed when Evan Turner checked into the game. I mean, we all loved his personality, his social media presence. He was a great teammate, but on the hardwood, it, it wasn't pretty. I mean, to be completely blunt, when Bazemore checks in, you're like, what's going to happen? Is he going to steal? Is he going to dunk the ball? Is he going to dish? Like you don't know, but he is that energizer bunny that I think every great team needs off of their bench. He's a great teammate, a great locker room presence, uh, a tested veteran. Another reason I, I really love a lot of the acquisitions we had, we brought a lot of experience to a roster that, that is really looking to get over that hump. So from what I've seen from Bazemore, uh, already fallen for that guy B- big fan favorite cannot I, wait to see him
1: i mean he played on that boot 61 team absolutely they made some trades the the emphasis wasn't on winning championships it was trying to compete then boot got fired and the hawks started tanking why would you try and put a guy in that's like focused on winning when you, that's the exact opposite thing that you as a franchise need so this is a brand new situation for him. He's been on. He's been in a winning culture. He knows what it feels like. He knows what expectations feels like. He's a vet in this stuff. So he's going to be able to help guys that haven't been in a winning situation that much. Kind of like a Hazonia. I mean, Rodney Hood's had a few rough years. He's there to help them and show what winning feels like. The winning culture. Something that we've talked about so much is how that culture helps you. Kent Bazemore is a culture guy.
0: Absolutely. Sage, I think we have a really good fan question. It's, it's a two-parter, so I'm going to ask the first one, and we'll kind of bounce back off of that. But it's from the same person. Uh, it's from at uh, BrutalTelling on Twitter. Wants to know, which three games before the new year are you most hyped for? Personally, he is ranking them the Lakers on the 6th of December in Portland. Got tickets. The second one, the home opener against the Denver Nuggets this Wednesday, and three, three, twelve twenty three versus hopefully Zion Williamson yeah. and the New Orleans Pelicans. What you are your t- see true? What are your top three games and then I'll give you mine?
1: Uh opening day, obviously. Uh uh sixers versus uh the blazers november 2nd because it's my mama's birthday and she's coming up for her that shout out mid- mama
0: sage and shout out 70s night
1: yep so yeah uh her birthday so we got i am selling my current tickets and we bought some better ones which means i'm closer to the court so i'm always hyped about that and then to see the drew drew holiday led pelicans that's a
0: good that's a good uh Good rotation. Yeah. I broke mine down home in a way just because I felt like we would get some overlap, especially from from our fan question. And I knew who you would choose as well. Uh, the Pelicans is uh, an easy, 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 easy Yeah, yeah. For me, the the top three home games: Denver opening night. I mean, come on, it's the home opener. It's the 50th anniversary. The court is going to look sweet as hell. It's a team we've played. God. Seven times in, in the post. I kind of feel
1: like Denver uh Portland is kinda like how the NFL tried to make the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers a thing back in like the the mid 2015s. Remember the the Ben Roethlisberger and like the those good ass middle linebackers and then the Ravens have Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Like that's what I've kind like the vibe I'm trying to feel. I mean like we we've played each other seven plus Three like ten games in the last, you know, twelve possible games. We've seen this team a lot, and you know, though that rivalry is brewing, we ruined their season.
0: We absolutely ruined their season. This is going to be probably the most competitive division in the entire league. It's a game you absolutely cannot drop if you're Portland. It's going to be going to be awesome. Second game, I am going to be taking uh, Matt to the twelve twenty eight lakers game i have i have tickets to that one so that's why i chose that over 12-6 and the last game for the home slate 12-18 versus the warriors i want to see if the blazers can get that monkey off their back yes clay thompson won't be there yes there will be no kevin durant no andre igadala but it's it's just like seeing that team it's mm-hmm. the, it's the blue it's the yellow you, you know them. It's still Draymond. It's still Steph. It's still Steve Kerr. Portland needs to get over that Delos
1: d an all-star, too.
0: Mentally. And it's almost like what the Blazers did in 91 and in 92. In 91, we had the, the, the best record in basketball. We blew a 12-point fourth quarter lead against the Lakers in, in game one and never recovered, losing in six in heartbreaking fashion. That was the year that most feel like we should have won a title. Well, the following year— the Lake Magic had retired. James Worthy was on the mend with with injuries, but they still had Byron Scott. They still had Vlade, and they still had Mike Dunleavy. And it was still the purple and gold. It was a one versus eight seed, but we still wanted to kick their ass. We needed mm-hmm. to get that off of our back, and we did, and we went all the way to the championship series against Chicago. Portland's going to face Golden State twice before the new year. We need to let them know that they no longer have that mental – basically hold over our Mm -hmm. minds. I mean, this is the team that consistently eliminates us out of the postseason. So I want to see the Blazers outclass them out, talent them and show them you're going to be below us in the standings. I don't care what happened last year. This is now, this is the 2020 season. And we are frankly better than you bonus game though. 11, 13 versus the Raptors. If you haven't been following Drake Serial, she is a local artist, born in Toronto, now lives in Portland, just did a art show at Laundry down in Chinatown. Uh, I bought four pieces of, of her work. She is going to be doing the game night poster. So she has a lot of Toronto ties, does a lot of great artwork, obviously lives in Portland, so I cannot wait for that game day poster Going to have to get a line pretty early to get that one. So that's why that is a bonus for me. Good looking, at, looking at the away games, first and foremost, it starts 10-25 this Friday against Sacramento. It's probably going to be their home opener. I think this is going to be a litmus test for the Trailblazers because in the past they have lost these types of games to teams like Sacramento on the road. Teams that probably aren't going to be in the playoffs but can give you hell at home. A great team finds a way to win. The, the toughest team to play, in my opinion, is a young team with a lot of confidence who hasn't faced adversity yet.
1: They haven't even got kicked to the nuts enough to know so that they, they still have
0: it. all of these hopes and dreams of making the playoffs. It's not March where they're already out of the playoffs and they're already thinking about going to Cancun. No, they really believe they can still make the postseason. That is going to be a tough-ass game. So that's why it's on my list. I also have 11-18 at Houston. Dame, Russ, Mussey TV. Ooh. How are the Blazers going to defend Harden and Westbrook? How are Westbrook and Harden going to even interact with each other? If it's anything like the preseason, it's already looking like a train wreck for Houston. But either way, Houston is going to be a team that Portland is battling for, for home court advantage. And last but not least, the day after Christmas, December 26th, in Utah, another team that is a division rival that Portland, if they can steal— a road game against Denver or Utah and protect home court and win those season series. That to me could be the difference between two to three playoff seeds, just because of how close it's going to be. The more tiebreakers you can get, the better. So that is really on my list and what I'm looking for too.
1: You know, totally different thing, but I was thinking about it. The importance of Hassan Whiteside. Don't we have two of the top three centers in our division? With Joker and Cat. And then we got go bear, and then Steven Adams isn't a f- pushover either.
0: I mean, I would say yeah, we probably got three of the top five centers in, in the league. That just
1: shows how important Hassan and, Whiteside and right. is.
0: Steven Adams is not a pushover. I mean, thankfully NS Cantor more than held his own, but Adams is is a beast. And you're not that's the thing about this league. The talent level to me is at an all time high. You just you cannot take Take teams lightly, and Stephen Adams isn't the guy that's about to tank either. I mean, if that's no, he ain't guy, about that. No, he's not about that life. Here, he, they're gonna have the, him fighting. We played the Thunder quite a bit over the first twenty games as well. Speaking of the first twenty games, same fan at brutal telling on Twitter wants to know what is each of our projected win loss records for the team after twenty games. And what's the twentieth game, so I can look at it. Spurs 20th Friday December November 29th Chicago Bulls at home so while you look that up I had what's the date again
1: the 25th right 29th
0: Chicago oh okay the second Chicago pro tip go to basketball reference they list out the games in numerical order so I was just (laughs) able to (laughs) I was looking at my app and I'm like motherfucker I gotta count to 25 so I did the math. I had a little bit of a head start looking at the Twitter account. Optimistically, I'm going to go 14-6. But as I said on last week's podcast, if the Blazers can even be 10-10, and 10, you take that and run. I mean, we're looking at only seven home games over the first 20. There are a four-game road trip, a six-game road trip. And the other road trip is a two gamer in California against the Warriors and the Clippers. So it it is going to be tough basketball for the Trailblazers, but I really believe in Damon CJ. I believe in Zach. I think if they protect home court, 14 and 6 to me feels on the very optimistic side. But again, if it's 10 and 10, I would be happy with that as well. But 14 and 6 is my record prediction as you would like to say, on wax.
1: I have not looked at math in so long. Um, all right. You said 14 and 6. at mm-hmm. your optimistic. Uh, so I said, tw- I'm looking at it, I, I see 12 and 8 just by. We play a Damn. lot of away games to
0: start. A lot of away games. A lot of tough away games. Yeah. 12
1: and 8 ain't bad, though.
0: I mean, you want to look at, at some of the teams we play, we have to play Sacramento twice in Sacramento. We already talked about why that is a tough game. They are not going to be eliminated from playoff contention. They're going to be riding high. You're talking about the Denver Nuggets, who second in the West last year. We all know about them. You're looking at the Houston Rockets, who had Russell Westbrook. We have to play at San Antonio twice, who had an incredible home record last year, and they bring back... DeJounte Murray we have to play the Clippers twice mm-hmm. yes I know Paul George won't be back for either of those games but that's still going to be a tough team with Kawhi Leonard and Maurice Harkless is a familiar face we have to play Golden State uh, in Golden State we have to play the Philadelphia 76ers uh, by the way the defending champs come to Portland uh, Kyrie and the Nets come to Portland we have to play the team with the best record last year in basketball in Milwaukee. Remember, they beat us by like 60 points in Milwaukee last year. Yeah, wasn't pretty. This is a disgustingly tough first 20 games of the season. So anything above 500, you you take and you run and you get healthy and you kick ass after All-Star break, which is our MO. All right, It is finally here. We get to make real predictions on real games that matter. It's been quite a long time. The slate of games we will be predicting, Blazers open against Denver. Then they hit the road for the first of four against the Sacramento Kings on Friday, October 25th at 7. And then Sunday in Dallas on the 27th at 4 p.m. Let's kick it off with the game that everybody's anticipating. The two teams don't like each other. It is Portland. It is Denver. It is nationally televised on ESPN. The Blazers are going for – this is a record, I believe – 19 straight home openers. They have won 18 straight dating back to the 2001-2002 season. Your boy will be in attendance. I got Olga. I got mom. I got dad. I have been at the last 13 wins. I'm ready to make it 14. And as I mentioned on last week's podcast, had the game been played this week, I wouldn't have predicted a win. I did not like what I saw against Phoenix. The team kind of turned that tide around against the Utah Jazz, which we discussed earlier. So I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, Sage, what are you looking for in this game? Obviously, the, the big change is going to be no canter. Insert us on white side. Everything else is the same thing for the Denver Nuggets. They did upgrade their bench and got Jeremy Grant from the Oklahoma City Thunder, mm-hmm. who the Blazers are also familiar with from last year's first round series against OKC. So oh. what, do you, what are you going to look for with teams – That know so much about one another.
1: Are we assuming Hassan Whiteside is 100%? Oh, he's going. I know, he's going, but do you think he'll be as...
0: I'm not a doctor. I I don't. I don't have no idea. I have no intel. If he's a hundo... I think if if we're making our prediction based on whether Hassan Whiteside is 100% or not, probably doesn't bode well because I don't think he's going to be 100% the majority of the season. It seems like... He's just gonna be one of those guys that just always is gonna be gutting through injuries, and and, and that that happens. So
1: mm-hmm. it's tough, man, because this team, the Nuggets, have been together forever, so they know what they want to do. We are. Has have have the, have the betting lines gone out yet? Because I don't think we're a uh, favored. Because this team team doesn't like chemistry matters this team hasn't gone through eight major rotation players being flipped like it's not out okay it it's it's a tough one man if if it was any other team i would be like oh yeah we win this without a doubt but the nuggets and how long they've been together kind of make it give you slight pause but
0: it's a home opener it's, it's not like to... the Blazers have just walked through cakewalks for these 18 straight games. I, I remember in 2014, we opened against the Thunder with, with Russ and KD uh, last year against LeBron and the Lakers. We also did it, I think, in 2013-2014 against the, the San Antonio Spurs who were coming off a finals appearance. So the Blazers, especially the guys who have been around for this streak, they, they know – the streak is a thing. They've been asked about it in the media, in the, in the media and I've noticed over the past couple of years that question continues to get asked more frequently because the mm-hmm. streak continues to increase. Dame is too good of a player to let that type of pressure get to him, but I, I think they know we want to set the tone. Mm-hmm. This is actually, I think, a really good team to start off against just because you don't wanna take it for granted that oh, okay let's say we're playing the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, we can just walk by them. We're gonna win our 19th straight home opener. No, you really got to be locked in to to beat this Denver Nuggets team. And they beat us already once in the regular season at home and they took game four from us mm. at home. So they're capable of doing it. To me, the the X factor if we're looking if we're looking at an actual player, the X factor for me it is going to be and Fernie Simons in, in that Blazer bench. Because in the regular season, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Will Barton, they had probably the best bench in, in basketball. Hmm. Obviously, the postseason change thing, changes things. You see teams every other day, rotations shrink. And so a lot of those players had really rough postseasons. But the regular season is not as stressful uh, That's on the player. As compressed either, yeah. And they have an incredible bench. I think if Anfernee Simons can come in and match a Monte Morris, and in general the Blazer bench, because what I've seen so far in the preseason is the bench kind of comes in and gives that lead right up. Mm. We're going to need them to at least play even keel with the Denver Nuggets because the Denver starters are really freaking good too. So we can't That's a just tough ex- ask. We j- yeah exactly. We cannot just ask Damon C J to go ballistic. And put up 30 points each. The bench guys, Anthony, Bays, Mario, hell, even Scal, if he can give us six to eight points. And then there's going to be that one moment or that one player that kind of comes out of nowhere and does something for us. I mean, that's how streaks stay alive mm. is, is crazy shit happens. Last year, it was Nick, Nick Scouts is, catching yeah. fire for 24 points, and it really turned the tide. What will that be for Portland? I think it might be a Bazemore, a Hazonia, Anthony Simons, Bench, laden Run. That's what I'm putting my my faith in. To me, that is that is the X factor um, f- for me. I think if we're looking at an X as a Nose X factor, how is Terry Stotts going to defend the Murray Jokic pick and roll? Mm-hmm. We already discussed that a little bit. I think it's going to eventually get switched where Zach Collins moves over to Joker and either Hazonia or Hassan Whiteside takes on Paul Millsap, what, what are you looking for? X-Factors, both X's and O's and as a player.
1: I'm trying to think about... I think Damian Lillard is going to be... I think Damian Lillard being a star is going to be the reason why we win this game. It's a tough one to start out, man. This team, Both teams are very good. I'm kind of feeling like monte morris is gonna be the guy that we're just like why is he dominating so much i think the blazers win but it's a very very close back and forth game uh where dame probably goes super superstar and gets us this all-important first win of the season but i think an interesting thing it'll be how we defend the four or five of the nuggets
0: Yeah, I got the Blazers winning an extremely close game, really just because we got the streak on the line. I'll be in attendance. I mean, let's not forget, Pops will be in the building. He was the good luck charm all of last year and throughout the postseason. And we have Dame Lillard. Jokic Mm -hmm. is, for whatever reason, uh, probably a higher candidate for, for the MVP, but pound for pound, Damian Lillard is the best player in the Northwest Division. He's going to be the best player on the floor Wednesday night and he has to be. If he mm. is, the Blazers win and we saw that happen in that series. It, sometimes it wasn't Dame, it was CJ. As long as the Blazers have the best player, I, I think they're, they're they're going to win. I mean, that is the nature of 5 on 5 NBA basketball more times than not. If you've got the guy who's going to carry your team, you're going to win. Obviously, you need the role players to step mm. up. But usually, like we say at home, role players feel more comfortable, a little more confident. They get that juice from the crowd, an added bonus from it being opening night. So as long as they just let the game come to them and find the rhythm, I like Portland probably by like three or four points. It is going to be a nail biter. So buckle up, Sage. We move on. We kick off a four game road trip against a tricky Sacramento Kings team who actually finished ninth in the Western Conference. They are going through a little bit of internal turmoil, especially through the media right now, where Buddy Heald is basically saying, Vladi Divac, King's ownership, put up or shut up your four-year, $80 million, $90 million offer. Not what I'm looking for. You guys don't attract free agents. I'm here. I'm willing to sign. Pay up or this is going to be something that you're going to have to deal with all season long. He said "You know, it's not going to affect him, but never does it end well when there is something looming over a franchise Mm. like a star player and his contract we saw that with Anthony Davis last year on the New Orleans Pelicans it's still going to be tough because it is Sacramento's home opener and they've got a young exciting team I love their Bogdanovich off the bench I think De'Aaron Fox is is quick as a cat but Harrison Barnes is going to be my X factor for them. It just seems like when he plays well, they're really tough to beat.
1: I mean, how do you? First of all, how do you feel about Buddy Hill trying to get more money?
0: If I'm Sacramento, I I trade him. I I think, and we we discussed this over text. And I was like, Sage, how old do you think he is? And I was like, the dude is twenty seven, and is He's going my into age. he is only a three year vet. He's on that Cam Johnson rookie rookie uh, age. So it's not like you're getting a top 25 player under 25. No, he's closer to 30 than he is 25. And I really like the other Bogdanovich. I don't think he's as good of a player as Heald. But if you want points, you'll get it at at a lot cheaper cost. So for me, I would kind of call his bluff. And I don't think Buddy Heald is... The type of player that's going to carry them to the postseason, I think it's going to be more Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox as the the dynamic duo. I think you could get something pretty nice for for Buddy. I, I just wouldn't I wouldn't invest that much in, in Buddy. I, I don't think he's ever going to be an All Star caliber player. I think he's at best really Mitchell? good, Eric, really good Eric Gordon. Oh no, I I think the Mitch Richmond comp was like. High in the sky. I don't think he'll reach Mitch Richmond, but that that would be his his ceiling. I just don't think that.
1: I, I think he's better than Eric Gordon, but I have to think he's better than Eric. Gordon But you know he's not though. Deep down, I think he. Oh, but he so no, much better hate than no, you Eric
0: Gordon though. You're not. You're not rational when you think about Eric Gordon. No,
1: I'm not. But fuck Eric Gordon. Buddy, Hill's better. Um, I'm always, you know, it, it's such a rare thing in your life when you have leverage over something. If Buddy Hield feels like he has leverage over the Kings, it would behoove him to use it. So if you if you think you can get more, get more, bro. The Kings are a big organization. If you feel like you can get yours, get yours, man. I mean, Cool G Rap said, "I got to get mine. I got to get mine. Get yours, Buddy Hield." Um, now to back to the game. <laughs> Yo, man, I'm going through a Cool G Rap renaissance, man. I. Uh, but uh, about the game, I I think in the past the Blazers have had trouble against waterbug quick point guards like Darren Fox. I think he's gonna be trouble. Uh, I, I I I don't fear Bagley as much because we got two defensive stalwarts in the uh, post, so I feel good about that. I think. The main thing we gotta watch out for is De'Aaron Fox penetrating, kicking out to shooters, uh, like a buddy healed. So, I think we have to be on top of our game, especially in pick and roll situations. Be ready to switch, be ready to rotate on those King shooters. I'd say the biggest X factor outside of De'Aaron Fox is Trevor Ariza and Harrison Barnes. If they're hitting, the team gets much 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 more difficult to defend in that pick and roll situation. I think that is is Harrison the 4?
0: He might be because right now ESPN is listing Dwayne Dedmon as out.
1: So it will be uh it will be Fox, healed Ariza, Barnes
0: and Bagley. That's what it's looking like right now. So it could be to me, this game is going to be one on, on on either end of the floor. If, if you're Portland on offense, you need to dominate the paint. They do not have a single shot blocker. They really don't have a single defender that you're like, oh, my God, I got to watch out for. Portland needs to play bully ball in this game, not settle for threes. This needs to be a game where Damon, CJ dissect the defense and live in the paint, much like you said De'Aaron Fox would do for the Kings, drive an addition. On the defensive side of the floor, if you're Portland – Guard the perimeter. We saw what the Phoenix Suns did in a perimeter-oriented offense against the Blazers last Saturday night, shooting twenty, making twenty-four three-point shots. That's this team's mo. That's what they want to do. They have Buddy Heal. they have Harrison Barnes, they have uh, Nemanja Belenka, uh Trevor Riza, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, they have got shooters as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And like we mentioned, role players play better at home. It's going to be their home opener. This is going to be an equally tough game. So Portland really has to be strong defensively. I think if you're looking for Portland, uh, Zach Collins is going to be huge. Because if I, they yep. if they are going to go small, he's going to have to play the five. Likely go mano y mano against Marvin Bagley. Uh, and then I think you see Portland go Kent Bazemore, Rodney Hood, 3-4. And if base is on the floor... Look for him to wreak havoc. I think that could be our finishing five. Dame, CJ, Bays, Hood, Big Z. I've got Portland winning another squeaker. I think this game almost scares me more than the Denver Nuggets just because we always play like shit in Sacramento, and it doesn't matter how good we are. We we play them twice in Sacramento. We always either split or get swept, so it's going to be a tough game.
1: I think I- – I think Zach's going to be huge, but I could also see a world where Hassan Whiteside gets like a quick eight points, five rebounds in the first quarter and they have to really focus on stopping the paint. And that's where we just body him with like good quality shots. And so I think one of our bigs is going to be the X factor.
0: And so but, this is where, what you talked about Stockton's in this defensive scheme really comes into play. You're going to see, a stark contrast in how you would defend a pick and roll opening night versus Sacramento. Murray Jokic are going to pose much different problems or reactions for Portland with them being such deadly shooters and playmakers, especially at the big than Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is going to be more of your mid-range shooter. You want him shooting those outside jumpers. Yeah, you
1: want to encourage the shots.
0: You want to encourage Marvin Bagley to shoot those shots. This may be – an ideal game for Hassan. If he's able to hang back in that paint, if De'Aaron Fox isn't hitting, it's going to be extremely important for our guards to fight through those screens and just disrupt that pick and roll. But who do you have winning this game, Sage? I have
1: have the Blazers winning, and I think Harry Giles will be the guy that we complain about in the next podcast.
0: All right, last on the docket for this season opener podcast, the Blazers will play the Dallas Mavericks the non-Dirk Nowitzki Dallas Mavericks that that's going to be weird to see Sunday October 27th at 4 p.m. they have also got quite a few new faces most notably Kristaps Porzingis and our buddy Seth Curry Sage what do we look for for this one
1: Seth got paid bro um obviously it all starts with Luka Doncic man that that guy is incredible. So I think the first thing we have to do is try and slow that man down. He, I, we haven't seen it in a regular season, but I, 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 know from last year he is the heartbeat of the team. Uh, I think the the Luca Porzingis pick and roll will be deadly this year. I think the main thing is try and use our athletes like a camp. Ba- I think this is the game where Kent Bazemore shines, and he's gonna be asked to lock down luca i was i was
0: just looking at their at their depth chart and thinking the exact same thing yeah um it might be
1: a good tim hardaway game too uh i don't know if he'll start or not but when he did play for the dallas mavericks in the second unit last year trying to remember stats he had like a 20 usage rate so he 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 ran that second unit so it's kind it's it's a game where kent Bazemore has to shine defensively and we have to be on our P's and Q's because they do have shooters.
0: And like Sacramento, they are light up front. Uh, Dwight Powell is is day-to-day, but he is an athlete. But he's not someone who is going to be a big body who can outmuscle us. Obviously, Kristaps Porzingis hasn't played in almost a season and a half. So once again, we're, we're asking Zach Collins, okay, you've got maybe Jokic, at least Millsap open night. Then we're going to have you on Marvin Bagley. And then Chris porzingis So we're going to test Zach Collins a lot. And I think the game is going to hinge on a couple of factors. One, how well can Zach Collins defend Chris Two, who is going to guard Luka Doncic? As a rookie, he had his way with this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were 0-2 in Dallas last year. Uh, this is a 53-win Blazer team that dropped two games in, in Dallas to a lottery-bound team. And then three... How do we play at our pace? How do we kind of take what they want to do and disrupt it? I think disruption is going to be the theme of, of the season for me because the but fans do we are going to know what
1: our pace is.
0: What I mean by our pace is I've seen the Blazers play down to teams. Like, make mm. no mistake about it, this, this Dallas Mavericks team, their best case scenario is the eighth seed. I think Portland is head and shoulders above them talent-wise. But they have got a couple of matchup problems, especially Luca when he is able to push the ball up the floor or even just dissect the defense because he has such a unique threat at that point guard position. Mm. And so Portland needs to not rush off an offense. What, what happens when, when, when the Blazers get themselves in trouble? They take shots quick in the shot clock. They go one-on-one and... They don't fight through screens on defense, and they just let teams walk up. Okay, you're going to do a pick and roll. Okay, cool. We're going to let you do that. We're going to give you that mid-range shot. Okay, great. Doing business with you. Mm. Uh, That doesn't work. That's why we lose to teams like Memphis and Dallas all the time because we let them play at their tempo. We let them dictate how the game is going to be played. We need to really punch them in the mouth, so to speak. And uh, to me, this is going to be a loss um, you can't predict them to win at all. We have a four-game road trip. I would be extremely thrilled if we were two and one after three. Luka's a problem for the rest of the league, but he's extremely tough for he's us. He's a
1: special problem for us.
0: Yeah, because like I mean, we're asking Kent Bazemore to lock him up when Aminu and Harkless couldn't do it last year. Um, if we win, it's going to be Dame CJ like going off. I would mean, th- that. Yeah, is...
1: I, th- I think Dame has to outproduce Luca. And they, for they us also
0: have. A A new point guard in in DeLon Wright, who I think if Portland is going to win again, and I think Terry Stotts and his ability to adjust and to take risks and to play out of his comfort, coach out of his comfort zone, will be so crucial for us because he doesn't like to double team, he doesn't like to deviate from the norm, but if we see Luca getting into his spots or Porzingis doing what he wants. I think Portland is going to have to take risks and say, DeLon Wright, you need to beat us. We need to treat these games like playoff games and mm-hmm. say, if you if you beat us from the corner three like teams challenged, to mean to do so. I'm tipping my cap to you, tipping my cap to you, and we'll see you next time. But mm-hmm. that's what I would do. Justin Jackson, you you made threes at North Carolina, but you haven't done a whole lot in the NBA. What what can you do? Obviously,
1: I would re- much rather have Tim Hardaway try and shoot than Luca or. Chris Stapps
0: Encourage Tim Hardaway to play to channel his inner Lance Stevenson and just go yeah. ISO. The yeah. less amount of shots and times the ball doesn't touch Luka Doncic's hands, the better. So that would be that's what my strategy would be for for Portland. Um I still think it's a loss. Again, you can't predict them to win it all, win them all. This is Dallas has always been a house of horrors for us, I mean, to be quite frank, and so that that's why I see Portland dropping their first one. Luka makes seven.
1: fucking top defensive players look human. Like, yo, he—he's—he's he's a, he's a problem. Like, the only person that I've seen shut him down a few times is Drew Holiday, so, and we don't have a Drew Holiday on our team. We have a Kent Bazemore on our team, and that's a lot of responsibility to put on a guy's shoulders to stop a... F- a super rare type of point guard honestly I, I I think this is gonna be one of those games Dame just has to go off for us to win you said a loss so I'm gonna go win I'm gonna say we start the season three and0
0: all right let, let's take it uh Sage we're at an hour and some change it's been a great opening podcast for the 50th anniversary season. We will be back recording next Sunday after this Dallas game likely sage any final thoughts um go Blazers uh
1: I I'm just so happy Bla- the that basketball in general is back because it gives me something to really uh focus on and try and problem solve and uh are you gonna do a yearly fantasy league this year have you found the league that suits you the most
0: I don't know, about it 82 games is a lot to be sure that people are playing. They're not injured. It's a big commitment. I'm, I'm oh, a, yeah. I like playing the the college fantasy just for fun. You, you just you know sometimes they play on Thursday or Friday, but for the most part it's one time a week, mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's super easy to do. So and, I'm only
1: uh, daily this year. You can't pay me to play yearly, but I'm all about that daily grind. So uh, all right,
0: well. Thank you for listening. You're a real one if you've been here this far. Let's win our 19th straight home opener and kick this season off in style. Sage, let's go Blazers.
1: Yep. And you can check us out on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays 2-3, Blazers Uprising, if you want to see the video of this podcast uh, we will be live on Tuesdays as well. So uh, check us out. You'll, you'll be able to see a lot of uh, Dustin and I this year. And I'm hyped for that opportunity. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shineley. Good night, everybody.
0: Let's go!